friends. Good morning, everybody. Having technical difficulties? It just means the devil don't like what's going on, does he? Amen. Let me try it one more time. Come on, devil, get out of that iPad. Cast the demon out of that iPad, but he won't leave. Stand if you would. Put your hands together, help us out.
this morning. He is faithful. And we're going to raise a hallelujah to the Lord. Amen.
this morning. Death is defeated. The king is alive. We don't have to worry about it. God's got it. Amen. Well, if you believe that, smile if you would, like you believe it, and tell somebody you sure do look good this morning. Let's fellowship for just a little bit, and then we're going to continue to worship. fellowship you would you can find your place go ahead and be seated if you would well God's been good to us amen we have had a busy October and it's not over with yet amen uh, I've done two I've, uh, we did this revival then Julie and I went and did another revival the week after and I'm about revived so much I'm worn out amen but God is good amen it's been good and uh, man we've seen souls saved lives changed we had 20 saved here at our revival. I believe at the other one, they had uh, a couple of saved. And so, man, God's been really good to us. But again, it's not over with yet. We have a uh, fall festival this next Wednesday. Thank you. Bless God. Amen. Now, see, if the rest of y'all could get as excited as that right there, we would never have a problem. Amen. All right. So we have it next, uh, this coming Wednesday. All right. So what do we need, Brother Mark? We need candy and we need help. Amen. Everybody say it with me. Candy and help. Candy and help. Amen. There is a sign-up sheet. Did that sign-up sheet make it back to this table? All right. Can you go get it for me in the uh, fellowship hall? It's probably hanging out in there somewhere. We were trying to sign them up Wednesday night. So we're going to make sure that gets back. Get that. There's another one, too, for a ladies' fellowship. Bring that with you also. So uh, we need, uh, if you can sign up for help. Uh, we're going to ask those of you that can. I don't know everybody everybody can, but we're going to start decorating around 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So if you don't work or you get off work early, <coughs> come at 4 o'clock because there's lots of, thank you, that seat right there, amen. She's going to be here. So come at 4 o'clock. Uh, there's stuff to move. There's all kinds of stuff to do. And so, but if you can't get here at 4 o'clock, just get here as quick as you can. Uh, the actual festival will be from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., all right? And uh, we will line everything out for you. If you have a question, come see me. Uh, there is a, a saying that uh, uh, the buck stops uh, at the horse's mouth or something like that. I don't know. Uh, anyway, the buck stops. Uh, if you got questions, come see me. Miss Cindy is doing a lot of that, but she's sick this morning, and she's also taking care of her sister. So uh, just uh, make sure uh, that you get here early enough to get your assignment. She will be here Wednesday night, but she's not able to be here today. So if you've got any hard questions, come see me and I'll see if I can answer them, all right? But again, candy and help is what we need. Uh, volunteers, uh, you can, uh, we always need volunteers for yard team, clean teams. And uh, then um, movie night next Sunday night, October 29th at 6 p.m., free popcorn, free candy, free Jesus, amen. Uh, ladies Fellowship, Saturday, November 4th at 4 p.m. at Kate Johnson's house, if you need to see uh, uh, her on how to get there. 
Uh, there are also, is there that sign-up sheet back there too, Ladies Fellowship? All right, that's there. So ladies, sign up if you can do that. And uh, Daylight Savings Time ends November 5th. That's in two Sundays. And uh, if you notice that it's getting darker when you get up uh, every morning, it's getting darker earlier. Uh, so we're going to bump that back an hour. This is the good one. This is the good one. Spring is the bad one. I know everybody likes the spring one, uh, but it's a bad one for church because you lose an hour of sleep. This one, you gain an hour of sleep. Amen. So uh, we fall back an hour. So gain that hour of sleep. And if you get here early, we'll put you to work. Amen. Uh, that Sunday. All right. We're glad you're here this morning. Anybody visiting today for the first time? We want to get a visitor's card. All right. Awesome. Two right there. Thank you, ladies. Uh, he's going to get you a card. If you would fill that out and put it in the offering basket uh, before you leave. More? More? Uh, over here? Yes. All right. Got two more over here, Brother Nelson. He's in the zone. He's focused. Amen. Right there, brother. Right there. All right. Man, it's so good to see you. Uh, let's uh, let's stand. We're going to continue to worship. All right. We're gonna. Oh wait. Uh, no. Stay. I do this every time we do this. Amen. Miss Tracy, brother Richard, you're gonna sing for us. Amen. I get this wrong every time. I get it. I don't think far enough ahead. Amen. Uh, we're gonna sing a little learning to lean. Amen. So uh, let's uh, let's join them in singing if you would.
we thank you that the battle belongs to you. Lord, we don't fight that battle with a gun or a sword. Lord, we fight that battle on our knees with our hands lifted high. And so, Lord, I pray that today we would understand the power of that. And, Lord, we are fighting not against flesh and blood, but we are fighting against principalities, Lord. And we are fighting against, uh, we are fighting spiritual warfare, Lord. And so I pray that, God, you would just move in an incredible way. Lord, people need to be set free in this place today, Lord. There are people who need to be set free, Lord. They've got addictions, Lord. And I pray that you'd set people free from addictions. I pray for people who are being uh, spiritually and demonically oppressed, God. And people who are being influenced by demons, God, that is very real, Lord. We want to believe in angels, but we don't want to believe in demons. We want to believe in heaven, but we don't want to believe in hell. And God, we must understand that, God, there is... There is a power, uh, Lord, that is beyond us. There are things going on that we cannot see. There are things going on around us, God, spiritual warfare going on that we cannot see with our human eyes. And so, God, I pray that, Lord, you would set people free in this place today, God. We love you, Lord. Set people free. Lord, uh, be with me as I speak now, Lord. There is nothing good in me today except you. Move me out of the way, Lord. Put the words in my mouth. And, Lord, we ask you, Holy Spirit, to come and pour out on this place pour through every heart because lord without your holy spirit all this preaching all this singing means nothing without your power of your holy spirit so we give this time to you in jesus name and everybody said amen amen, amen. Uh, give the lord one more clap offering if you would and um, if you have kids that would like to go to children's church the older kids are gonna uh, meet over here with miss april the younger kids over there with miss louisa all right Give our children and our children's workers a big hand, if you would, for all the work that they do. That is good stuff. I want to share with you this morning, you know, I, sometimes I struggle after revival with what, what do I preach on uh, now that revival's over. In other words, sometimes we go through revival or maybe we go to a conference or we go to a uh, a men's deal or a ladies deal and we get all fired up and then we come back and it's kind of like back to reality and then the question becomes all right now what <laughs> you know now we've had revival or now I've got a, I've, I've hit the spiritual mountain top and now I got to go back to normal life and uh, you know we love the mountaintops but guess what life, real life is lived in the valley isn't it and so the valley comes right behind the mountaintop mountaintop is exciting but I've always told you, you can't live on the mountaintop. The air is too thin. There's no vegetation that grows up there. So the mountaintop experiences, those are great and those are wonderful. Enjoy them when you have them. But most of life, real life, is not lived on the mountaintop. It's lived down in the valley. And so uh, the first few weeks after revival, I want to just kind of speak to this. Uh, of What do we do now that, uh, now that we've had revival, now that we've had wonderful things happen, people getting saved, lives being changed? And so I came across this verse this week, and the verse is John chapter 3, verses 26 through 30. And the week after the revival that we did, Julie and I went and did the music at another revival, and the preacher did this every night, and I used to do this at my home church, and so I thought, you know, this is good, and I don't, I don't know that we'll, number one, that I'll even remember to do this every week, but I thought it was really good. This is the undisputable, inerrant word of God and we should honor it amen so I'm going to ask you to stand with me if you would we did that every night of that revival that week when he read the opening scripture 
and we just honor it. If you're not physically able, we understand. Don't, don't, don't worry about it. But if you're able to, stand in honor of God's word. And it's on the screen if you don't have it with your Bible there. And uh, just listen if you would. And they came to John and they said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing and all are coming to him. John answered and said, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear, bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. And here's the key verse for today. He must increase, but I must decrease. Whew. Father, we love you. Thank you for the power of your word. Lord, we honor your word, God. We believe that it is God-breathed, and we believe that it is on inerrant, not any mistakes. And we stand on that, God, that we love you. We believe in your word. We believe that, God, every part of it is God-breathed. And so, Lord, we love you. Let it speak directly into our hearts and lives this morning. And God said, Lord, that it is good. And, Lord, that your word will not return void. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. Now, uh, before we leave that verse, go, go back, JT. Now, this could be a little confusing. Go back to the very beginning. Because we're reading out of the book of John. And it talks about that they're talking to a John, but guess what? Those are not the same Johns, all right? So the book of John is the uh, apostle John that's writing and recording everything, but the John that they're talking about is a little guy that uh, we like to call, and we love him in the Baptist church because he's the only one that's got our name, amen? John the Baptist, amen? So uh, the, the John speaking here is not the John that's writing. He's recording it, but John the Baptist is who they're talking to. And so... Uh, the, the people that were following John the Baptist come to John the Baptist and they say, hey, we don't know if you've heard, John, you got this following and you're baptizing people all the time, but there's this new guy that just came along named Jesus. Have you heard of him? He says, oh, yes, in fact, he's my cousin. Amen. But uh, this guy's getting more popular than you, John. This guy is, he's just gone past you. You know, John was really popular. It says that John the Baptist was preaching that there was a coming Christ. And people were going, they were leaving the towns and going out into the woods. John never came into the towns. And so he was so popular that people were leaving the towns and going out there in the woods to find him and to be baptized. So John the Baptist, uh, he was very, very popular. But then this new guy, Jesus, comes along, and all of a sudden he just skyrockets past John the Baptist. And so his people come to him and say, John, aren't you a little upset? I mean, you were number one on the charts. And then this Jesus guy shows up, and boom, all of a sudden, you're number two on the charts. How does that make you feel, John? Now, John could have very easily, if he'd been in the flesh, said, well, yeah, you know, that's right. Because, bless God, it's all about me. Doesn't the world revolve around me? This is easy to do in everybody's life, but let me tell you this. It's, it's very easy to do in ministry. Because we can get so full of ourselves that we think, well, God, you know, you're pretty lucky to have me on your team. Because I'm talented, you know. Man, I can, I can do all these things. God, you know, great things are happening at our church. And God, you're just, you're lucky to have me. 
Can I tell you, that's a very dangerous attitude in ministry. Amen? Because when you think you're number one, God has a way of knocking you down to number two real quick. All right? So John the Baptist does not get in the flesh. His people get in the flesh, and they say, aren't you upset, John? But John says, oh, no, I know my place. In fact, the best place for me to be is number two, especially when it comes to Jesus. All right? So they say, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan to whom you've testified, behold, he is baptizing, and everybody's going to him. It used to be, John, that everybody was coming to you, but now everybody's going to him. Go to the next verse. And John answered and said, and this is to John's credit, that he was not full of himself. He was full of the Holy Spirit. John answered and said, a man can receive nothing unless it's been given to him from heaven. In other words, Jesus is coming. I've been telling y'all he's coming. And he's been given a special mission. And he's been given a special task. And he is that Messiah. So I defer to him. I gladly defer to him. All right? All right, next verse. And you're, you're, you yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ. John had already told him, told them, I'm not the Christ, but there's one coming. And you remember what he said? Whose shoes, uh, whose sandals I'm not even worthy to lace up. All right? He said, I'm not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. Uh, the Bible says it this way. There, there will be one that will cry out like a voice in the wilderness. That was John the Baptist. And that was prophesying of him coming before Jesus. All right? Then the next verse. And he who has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. So John compares himself. Now, isn't this interesting? Because we always see this, that a lot of the times in our relationship with God, he compares it to a wedding. And remember this, that always that uh, Jesus Christ is the bridegroom. And who's the bride? us the church the church is the bride and more times than any time that is the way it is described to you and to me all right so understand now john puts himself in the picture and who does john compare himself to he says i'm not the bride i'm not the bridegroom but who am i john says i'm the best man see what he says the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice all right? So do you understand? John is saying, I'm like the best man, and I am standing in for him, and I, the day is not about me. Now, let me ask you this. When you go to a wedding, anybody in here ever been a bride, um, uh, bridesmaid or uh, what do they call the men side? The groomsman, yeah. Anybody here ever been that? They dress you up all in a nice suit. Usually they might rent you a tux or you... They buy you a suit or something, and you go and you stand in there, and you're standing at the wedding, and I don't know about you, but before I go, I look in the mirror, and I go, I look pretty good. Amen. And, uh, you know, and then I get to the wedding, and I kind of want it to be centered around me, but guess what? That day is not about me, is it? I'm just a stand-in. It's about the bride and the bridegroom, and that's who the day is about. That's who it's centered around. It don't matter how good you look, it's not your day. And you defer, no matter how good you look, no matter how much you want it to be about you, you defer to the bride and the bridegroom. And that is exactly what John is saying here. He says, it is not about me. It's never been about me. I'm like the best man. I'm standing in for the groom. And I have got his back. Whatever he needs, I'm here for him. I came to tell you that the bridegroom is coming, and he's here now. Jesus 
is here. Can I tell you that? We all need to get that attitude. Your life is not about you. Your life is about glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ through how you live your life. It is not about you. I don't care what kind of job you got. You may say, you ought to see me run that company down there. I'm in charge down there. I, man, I, I'm t- you don't know how talented I am. I run things down there. Everybody listens to me. When I say jump, everybody says, how high? I don't care because it ain't about you. The only reason you got that job, you may say, well, you don't know how to. That's only God, God allowed it to happen, and you only have it because God gave you the talents and the abilities, and he, if he gave them to you, he can take them away just as quickly. You don't have that job because of you. You have that job because God allowed you to have that job. Well, you don't know the money I make. It's all from God, and it's all God's money. And if you don't get that attitude, you'll be miserable. Because if you don't get that attitude that it's God's money, then you just chase after more money, and your life is like a wind and a vapor uh, that Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, you're chasing after the wind. You're chasing your own tail. Because if it's all just about stuff, you just never are satisfied. And so you will go through your entire life and never be satisfied because there's not enough stuff and there's not enough money. I don't know if you've read Steve Jobs, the guy that invented Apple and all that. At the very end of his life, he died of cancer in his 50s, pretty young. And one of the last statements Steve Jobs says, you know, I have all this money. I have all this stuff. But the one thing I could not purchase was somebody to die for me. And he said, it has caught up with me. And when it's my time, it's my time. And all the money in the world, all the possessions in the world, all the fame in the world, all the notoriety in the world will not buy somebody to die for me. I have to do that. I have to die. Now, did he know the Lord? I don't know. But that's a pretty powerful statement from a guy who had everything, more money than any of us could even imagine, more stuff than any of us could have ever imagined. So what is your life? Is life about you and your problems, or is it more about him and his blessings? You see, to mature physically, we increase. Now, this may be real mature. I don't know. I think it's talking about muscle. Uh, I don't have a lot of muscle. I got a lot of this. But truly, if you want to increase, a lot of people are skinny. Uh, I've never had that problem. But a lot of people are kind of skinny, and they want to bulk up. So what do you do when you want to bulk up? You start eating more, you start working out more, and then you try to turn that fat into muscle, and you bulk up. So to mature physically, we increase everything. But here's the thing. When we're talking about maturing spiritually, it's the exact opposite. We must decrease, and it must become less about me and more about him. Everything in my life, my job begins to be less about the job and the opportunities that God gives me through my job. My money becomes less about what I can spend the money on and what can I use to glorify God with my money. All right? All of these things. It becomes I must decrease everything. My importance, how I live my life, all of that takes a back seat to what does God want me to do? What is, God, what is God's purpose for my life? What kind of job does God want me to have? Because, you see, your job is not just your job. It's not just your paycheck. Your job is your mission field if you look at it properly. It's where God placed you and planted you to have a positive influence. And so my job, it doesn't even belong to me. It becomes what can God do? God places you. Can you understand this? Again, there are spiritually things going on all around you. And even when you don't ask about it, God is in control. 
the house you live in. You think that was just an accident or you think you picked it out? Where you live, if you're a Christian, God says, that's your mission field. These neighbors around you, I put you right there for a reason because there's somebody you need to minister to living right around you. And you've got to see it that way. You say, well, I, I, I interviewed for that job, and it's my gifts, my talents, my ability. The reason I got the job is because I'm such a good interview. No, you're not. Can I tell you, the reason you got the job is because God allowed you to get that job, and it is your mission field. There are people working around you that God says somebody needs to minister to these people. You ever go to work, and somebody's really having a hard time? Somebody's really struggling? And maybe for whatever reason they confide in you and they say, my marriage is falling apart, my life is falling apart, or I've got this addiction and I'm really struggling with it, and my life is coming unraveled and I don't know what to do. Can you say, <coughs> open door? And God gives us those opportunities all the time. Are we ready for those opportunities? Or are we so selfish that we go, I got my own problems, I'm sorry. I ain't got time for your problems. I, it's my problem. I got, I'm just going to concentrate on my problems. I'm sorry you got that in your life. I'm real sorry for you, but I ain't got time for that. How do we handle it? How do we see it? Everything is about perspective. Mother Teresa said this. And I don't know what you know about Mother Teresa, but Mother Teresa spent her life taking care of people with AIDS and sick and dying people, and that's how she dedicated her life. Very humble lady. And this is what Mother Teresa said. If you are humble, nothing will touch you, neither praise nor disgrace, because you know what you are. That's called security in Christ. I know who I'm in Christ. Listen, at your job, I don't know if many of you know this, but I I'm bivocational. I have another job. I run sound and work with technology, sound and video. And some days, just like today, remember I told you the demon got in this thing? Never did connect. And I have to work with this stuff every single day. Me and JT back there, we do a lot of work together. And some days, it don't want to work right. But you know what? I can tell people after the event's over, I can say, man, I'm, I'm sorry that was a bad event, but the technology just didn't want, they don't care about that. They don't want to hear no excuses. They just know that messed up and that messed my event up. Now, if I'm too self-obsessed, then what ends up happening? I can just, I can get depressed over that. I can say, I ain't going to do this no more. This ain't worth it. And I can say, I, I'm, I'm tempted to even quit my job. Maybe you've had a day like that on your job. Everybody has a bad day. Things don't go right. And maybe you got blamed for something. Maybe there's some disgrace that comes with it. Can I tell you this? At that point especially, it depends what you're counting on. Your identity is not in that job. As much as I love my job, even this job right here, it, it, as much as I love preaching, if somebody were to come to me after this today, and it's highly likely to happen, Brother Mark, that was not your best. Please, please don't do that, but... Even if you think it, don't do it. But if you come up today and you say, Brother Mark, that was not your best. You know what I have to say? I have to say, well, you know what? That's what the Lord gave me. I gave it the best I could. I'm sorry. 
but I'm going to go home. I'm gonna probably going to go eat a Subway sandwich and go on home and take a nap because my identity is not in this job. Even as wonderful and as important as job as this is, it is not who I am. You know what's way more important? Mark Trammell, the husband to Julie Trammell, which is her birthday, by the way, and we forgot to sing happy birthday, didn't we? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Julie. Happy birthday to you. Woo! I dodged a bullet there, amen? I almost forgot that. The minute I looked at her, I knew, all right? But my identity is way more in what kind of husband I am to Julie Trammell. What kind of father am I to Matthew, Joshua, and Faith Trammell? What kind of man am I? When you see me out at Walmart, do you get the same Mark Trammell that you get standing here on the stage on Sunday? I hope so. I hope that you can say, that's the same man. It's not a different man. He's not trying to pretend one thing in the pulpit and another thing somewhere. Listen, the greatest thing you could say to me is, Brother Mark, you're the same whenever I see you. Because my identity is not wrapped up in my last sermon. My identity at my other job is not wrapped up in the last event. My identity is not wrapped up in any of that or what you, even what you think of me. How could anybody not like me? <laughs> but there are some people, as hard to believe as it is. And I have to say, my identity is not even wrapped up in what you think of me. Some people, if they get a dislike or they get something said negative to them on social media, you would think their life was over. You need to set that down and get away from it. Amen? Because that will affect your identity. I had a preacher friend of mine say this. I had to get off Facebook because every Sunday was like, oh, Lord, what are people? was it good or was it bad? And it, it got to where he read it every Monday, and he was getting depressed every Monday because there would be... 25 positive statements and one negative. Guess which one was going to eat him up all week long? The one negative. Amen? And so if you can't handle it, you need to get off of it. And he had to. He said, it affected me. I, got, I was just getting depressed every Monday because I'd get that one negative, and I just would obsess about that all week long. Your identity is not in who others say you are. Your identity is not even in who you say you are. Your identity is in Jesus Christ. And that's where it should be. Amen. If it's anywhere else, you need to get rid of that. All right? Whew. Somebody takes your picture and they say, I'm going to post this on Facebook. Wait a minute. Let me see that. What are you looking at? You looking at everybody else in the picture? <laughs> no. Who are you looking at? You're looking at you to see if it's okay and if you approve for that picture to be posted. Amen. That, that alone right there tells you the danger of social media. Uh, you know, we are constantly evaluating ourselves, but we're, it's, it's all about us, amen? This is a countercultural thought process. Twitter, Facebook, your career, your job. Uh, let me show you my kids' photographs. My grandchildren are prettier than your grandchildren, amen? It becomes a competition, doesn't it? Listen, your babies are the prettiest babies in the world. Why? Because they're your babies. And don't let anybody else tell you any different. Amen? 
This is not a game. This is not comparison. And this is what is wrong with social media. Many people are comparing their lives to other people's lives. And I've told you before, that ain't their real life. That's a highlight reel. Amen. Don't get sucked up in that game. All right. If you can't handle it, get off of it. All right. Listen. Listen. Look at me. You need to listen instead of talk. When it becomes less about me and more about, there's a scripture, and I didn't put it in there this morning, but it says this, that I am to treat others as more important than myself. Now, that sounds real easy coming out of my mouth, but that is real hard to do because that means i got to set myself aside and listen to somebody else more than I talk. Do you know what normally people do when they have a conversation? If I'm talking to Brian over here, I'm asking Brian, hey, Brian, how's everything going? How's your life? What's going on in your life, man? And as Brian begins to talk, am I really listening to him? Probably not. I'm formulating what I want to say when it's my turn to talk. And he starts talking about things. Oh, I got to tell Brian about this thing going on in my life. Oh, and I got I to tell him about my family. And I got to tell him. I, even as it's coming out of his mouth, I am formulating what I want to say about my life to where I probably don't even hear half of what he's saying. Amen. There again, that goes back. So this is completely countercultural because for me to have empathy and sympathy, I must shut up and actually listen to what Brian is saying because Brian may say in there somewhere, hey, man, I'm, I'm really struggling in this area. Could you pray for me? Could you help me in this area? I am really struggling. And it doesn't need to be anything about me at that point. I don't need, I need to put aside what I want to tell him about my life and my family because now God just said, here's an open door. Brian needs somebody today, right now, and you need to shut up, Mark. I know I'm known as the blunt preacher, but here it is. Shut up. <laughs> I need to hear that in my life more than anything else. I know that's a bad word. Kids, don't go home and say that. Uh, but many times, the word I hear from the Lord more than anything else is, Mark, shut up. Stop talking. Listen. This person needs you. This person needs you to hear them. This person needs you to identify with them. This person needs you to pray for them. So stop talking and listen. Can I say, if you don't get anything else out of this message, that one thing right there is worth the price of admission, which you didn't pay anything to get in here. So, amen. All right? Instead of being first place, we should strive to be second place, just like John the Baptist. I don't want to be first place. Because if you're first place, you know who's not first place? God. So I should strive not to be first place. I should strive to be second place. All right, I got to run. I'm getting out of time here, all right? So how, do we, how does being less about me and more about Jesus? It means three things. Number, uh, number one, and now, then we'll be through after these three things. Number one, I must lose my focus. Uh, the scripture is Hebrews 2, 2. For the words spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward. All right? Uh, I lose my focus. I need to be on God's focus. I need to see when there's death. I need to see there's life. You ever felt like your life was over? You ever gone through a very traumatic experience and you felt like life was over? That is when the Lord needs you to see life instead of death. He needs you to turn that around, and he needs you to focus on him. Don't focus on the situation. 
Don't focus on the trauma. Don't focus on the bad thing that happened. Don't focus on the death of that loved one. Find your hope in Jesus and in the hope that you will see them again and put your focus on him. We need to lose our focus on ourselves. Well, I don't like God right now. You ever get mad at God because why did God allow my grandma to die? Well, she was 96. It was probably way old past time. Amen. But we, again, we just get caught up in it because that's our loved one. Listen, I can't tell you, you come to me and says, please pray for me. My 96-year-old grandmother died. I can't say, well, oh, good Lord, she was 96. What would you expect? I can't say that. I have to say, you know what? That must be painful for you because I bet you and grandma were very close. I'd have been offended. Somebody ever said that to me when I lost my grandma? I'd be highly offended. Somebody said that to me when I lost my mama or my daddy? I'd be highly offended. So guess what? It's kind of like that kid is beautiful because that's your kid. Guess what? That loved one is important because that's your loved one. And you will feel the hole. You will feel the loss. But I must focus on him and not myself, not my grief, not what I'm going through. I must focus on him and say, Lord, help me to deal with this. All right? I got to lose my focus. So I need to see life where there is death, opportunity where there are obstacles. That's an important one. I need to see hope where there is despair. Amen. I need to, here's a big one. I need to see love where there is hate. Hmm. You ever hate somebody? Don't look at me all self-righteous and holy. That person who, you don't know what they did to me. Somebody stabbed me in the back. Somebody defamed my name. Somebody insulted my character. So we must understand Many times there's hate, and you, it may be totally justified hate, but sometimes you got to learn to forgive. Well, they didn't ask for my forgiveness. That ain't got nothing to do with it because you're the one carrying the bitterness around. What is revenge? It is drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. That don't make a lot of sense, does it? The bitterness inside of you is killing you. It's not killing the other person. And so we must learn to forgive. Jesus forgave you when you did not deserve to be forgiven. Jesus set you free and covered your sins in his blood when you didn't deserve that. But by his grace and by his mercy, he forgave you. Amen. And in the same way Christ forgave you, you must also forgive others. Where'd you hear that? Out of the Bible. Amen. All right. Number two. I must lose my stuff. Uh-oh. Here we go. Preacher done gone to meddling. You could see it coming, couldn't you? And this one's so good because I knew you'd say, as the preacher talking, I got two scriptures for you. All right. Ecclesiastes 5.10, I already mentioned it. This is Solomon. He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. This is also vanity. All right. And then Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will, he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. What is mammon? Money. Does that mean money's bad? Does that mean if you are rich beyond imagination that it's bad? No, not at all. One of the most... A misunderstood, misquoted verses of the Bible. Money is not evil. The love 
of money is evil. Amen? When that money begins to be more, I know many people who love the Lord very dearly, and God has blessed them with the ability to make money, and they give tons of money to help ministries all over the world. Money is not a bad stuff, but you must understand, how do I see money? Is money just a tool to be used by God, or am I consumed with it? Is money my God? Okay? So you got to lose your stuff. And not just money, stuff. How much you love that shiny new pickup sitting out there in the driveway? Yeah? Is the pickup, is, this is what we got to understand. Is the pickup evil? No. Is the, the big shiny bass boat, is that evil? No. Is that ATV sitting out there, is that evil? No, no. Th- those are inanimate objects. They're not evil. But where is our heart on those things? Could I be using those things better? Am I a good steward of those things? Does God, uh, oh, oh, Lord, here we go. This one just entered my mind, but I'm sorry. Does God not get my tithe because the payment for that thing? I had a lady tell me that one time. This is a brutally honest lady, and I appreciated her honesty. She said, Brother Mark, I cannot tithe. That's my car payment. That's my car payment over there, and I, I drive a nice new Cadillac. And I would love to tithe, but I can't tithe because that's my. She came back to me a few years later and said, Brother Mark, I'm sorry. I was wrong about that. I gave up the car, and God gets my tithe now. But she said, I was wrong, and for many years I was wrong. So we got to understand, where is our heart in that thing? The thing is not evil. The money's not evil. The possession is not evil, but how does it have my heart? I must lose my stuff to the Lord. Again, if you turn it around and you say, everything I make, everything that comes in that's income belongs to the Lord. It's just on loan to me. That car I drive, that's on loan from the Lord. That house I live in, that's on loan from the Lord. When you have that attitude, then you have it in the right perspective. But when it becomes all about that and you're, you're locked because you are not a good steward of it and you put yourself in a financial bind, then that's when it becomes a problem, an issue. All right? Anybody here ever said this? We get very emotional about things that we own. But there's a statement, and uh, it says this, for all my Spanish-speaking friends. Mi casa es su casa. What does that mean? My house is your house. My house is your house. Now, that's a very neighborly thing to say, isn't it? Now, I don't know about you. I've had a few people take that way too seriously. They show up, and they just start going through my refrigerator. Uh, and I won't, I'm sorry, but uh, what are you doing in my refrigerator, amen? That's special privilege. You know, my kids come in. They can go to the refrigerator, but you start rifling through my refrigerator. We got a problem, Amen. But, hey, if I'm going to say it true, then that's really what I'm saying. When I say mi casa es su casa, that's really what I'm saying is my house is your house. You have living here privileges. You come in, my food's your food. That's, that's literally what you're saying. So be careful when you say it because you're saying this is your house. It's just as if you lived here. Whatever's in that refrigerator, go get it. Whatever you need to use, use it. All right? And listen. This needs to be our attitude with God. One thing to do it with a neighbor, a whole other thing to do it with God. But that's the proper attitude. Lord, my house 
is your house. Everything that I own belongs to you. Everything that I have belongs to you. My family, this is a hard one, belongs to you. Do with them as you please. My money belongs to you. Use it as you please. Lord, everything I have is only because of you, and it all belongs to you. And then here's another thing, too, just in case that's not enough. All those little closets that I have my secret sins hidden away in, you have access to all those, too. There are no hidden closets, God. You've got them all. Amen. All right, number three. I'm over time here. And it kind of comes to the culmination. I must lose my life. Matthew 10, 39. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Boy, that's really the key, isn't it? Look at it. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake, God's sake, will find it. Why do you not have any purpose in life? Because you've not taken this verse to heart. When you find out what God wants and you start fulfilling God's purpose for your life and God's things in your life that God has placed you in, that's when you find that abundant life. And that's when you find true purpose and true meaning. And life starts to mean a lot more when we find our purpose in him. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? I'm going to ask the band to come back. I want to give you just a couple of thoughts here at the end. I want you to listen to this. I found this somewhere on the internet. And I thought it was very, very good. But I need you to focus in and listen to me. Because we have a saying sometimes this, oh, forget you. Forget you. But we mean that as a derogatory comment, but many times that's exactly what we need to do for ourselves. So listen to this with that in mind. When it feels like your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak, forget you. Forget you and what you need out of it. When it inconveniences me and it's all about my schedule, forget you. Forget your needs. Forget what it means to you. When this person hurt me and I deserve to be mad, forget you. Forget you. Because it's not about you. It's about God. That relationship, that relationship needs to be restored. That relationship needs to be right. So put you aside. In all those things, put you aside. I want to remind you at the very beginning what it said. He must increase but I must decrease. Father, have your will and your way in this place today. If you're here today and you would say, Brother Mark, I'm not sure if I were to die today if I'd go to heaven. He is as close as a prayer away. Or maybe you'd say today, Brother Mark, I'm saved, but I've wandered far away from him. The Bible tells us that he is as close as a prayer away. He never leaves us, never forsakes us. You can come running back to him. His arms are open wide. Either one of those, if you want to pray it as a prayer of salvation today or a prayer of recommitment, pray this prayer with me in your heart and your mind. Just say, Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And Lord, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I know that I need you. So right now, Lord, I ask you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. 
I ask you to be my Savior and my Lord in Jesus' name. Now, every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't want to embarrass anybody. But if you prayed that prayer today as a prayer of commitment or a prayer of recommitment, would you just lift up a hand so I could pray for you? Thank you. Thank you. Hands all over the building. Thank you. We're going to have a time of response. You can come to this altar. If you want somebody to pray over you, Hayden's going to be over here on this side. I'm going to be over here on this side. We would love to pray over you if you just need to come to the altar and pray. But if you raise your hand just now and you prayed that prayer, I wish you'd just come and tell me I prayed that prayer with you, Brother Mark, and I will. I would just love to pray over you. Father, have your will in your way during this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand, and you come as you need to. If you need to join the church, you can also come, whatever you need to do today. something said this morning spoke directly to your heart we always like to end on a praise song so uh, let's sing together we're gonna sing amazing grace my chains are gone amen let's sing it together
place today and when you walk out those doors you enter your mission field amen so go and do something for the lord this week father we love you thank you for our time today and lord may we just go out and uh, just live for you this week in jesus name amen god bless you you are dismissed <laughs>